I'm going to do a two-part series. I'll be back next Sunday too. So you got me for two weeks. Two-part series uh, on the subject of decisions, how to know God's will for our life. And so uh, really looking forward to sharing with you. How about we pray? God, thank you for today. This is the day you've made. And we're so thankful, so glad to be alive. And so for everyone in the room this morning, I don't know what's happening in their life, but you do. And so for the joys they're experiencing, for the challenges they may be facing, for the questions they may have, thank you for the Holy Spirit who's able to take my words today and apply them in dozens of different ways so that we could all hear from you today in a very personal and powerful way. Everyone that's awake said amen. 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 Thank you, Emma, for that enthusiastic amen, and everyone else too. Hey, when uh, Nicole and I were a lot younger, uh, we were on the leadership team with my dad, who was the senior minister of a church called Waverly Christian Fellowship. And so Nicole and I were leading the youth ministry. We did that for about five years. And so we're growing and developing, starting to do a bit of preaching and leading, and we're enjoying life, got young kids. Uh, we had a guest speaker through the church, and uh, over lunch after church with my dad and mom and Nicole and myself, uh, he said, you know, uh, Mark and Nicole, you obviously got a great future. I wonder whether it'd be good for you to maybe move away from the church for a couple of years and get out from under your dad's shadow, kind of become your own person, maybe work somewhere else, plant a church or do something for a few years and then come back. And who knows, maybe one day you'll take over the church. It was a bit of a shock to us because we were pretty happy, enjoying life and hadn't really thought about going. And so we had a chat to my dad and he was cool about it. But Anyway, we kind of forgot about it. Anyway, about a year later, we had another guest speaker through and we had lunch and he said the same thing. He says, you know, maybe you and Nicole should go away and join another ministry for a few years and just kind of come out from your dad's shadow, become your own person and then come back and, and maybe lead the church one day. So yeah, this was the second kind of person that had said that. So we started some more conversations. Dad was cool with it. And so we actually started talking to two different ministries outside of Victoria and they were both keen for us to come and be there for a couple of years and so we're in this kind of process of conversation but we weren't sure in fact we were a little bit confused we, we were wondering well what's what's God's will should we stay or should we go and if we go should we go here or should we go there anyone in the room had an experience like that three four five people Moments where you're trying to figure out which direction should I take? Which choice should I make? What is God's will? And if you've ever had those questions, you're in good company. Uh, all of us have. In fact, even the great Apostle Paul, who wrote most of the New Testament, who met Jesus on the road to Damascus, had moments where he was trying to figure it out. I'm going to read a story from Acts 16, uh, verses 6 to 10. And so have a little listen to this part of Paul's journey. I'm going to read it from the Message Bible. I, uh, we don't have this on the screen, so just have a listen. Acts 16, 6 to 10. Paul and his companions went to Phrygia. Imagine it was pretty cold there. Sorry, humor. Paul and his companions went to Phrygia and then on through the region of Galatia. Their plan, interesting words, their plan was to turn west into the Asian province, but the Holy Spirit blocked that route. So they went to Mysia and tried to go north to Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus wouldn't let them go there either. Proceeding on through Mysia, they went down to the seaport of Troas. That night, Paul had a dream. 
a Macedonian, a Greek-speaking person, stood on the far shore and called across the sea, come to Macedonia and help us. The dream gave Paul his map. We went at, to work at once, getting things ready to cross over to Macedonia. All the pieces had come together. We now knew that God had called us to preach the good news to the Europeans. Any Europeans in the room? Bless the Europeans. That's an interesting story, isn't it? Here's the great apostle Paul. He's got an overall sense of God's call on his life. He's trying to go one way, but the door's closed. He's trying to go another way, but the door's closed. And eventually, this clarity comes. Now, we read those verses in about two minutes. If you get a map out, which I did yesterday, uh, that little trip right there to eventually get to Troas and get clarity was 750 kilometers. And this is before cars and Uber and Met Rail and Mikey cards. Uh, this was by foot or possibly on a horse. This would have taken weeks, months, maybe even over a year. So, so we're not talking about one day. We're talking about an extended period of time where Paul's trying to discern, Paul's trying to figure it out, Paul's trying to find out what's the right thing to do. That should encourage us that, you know, finding God's will is a process, it is a journey. Sometimes there's delay, sometimes we need patience as we're trying to get clarity on God's direction for our life. Uh, Paul also talks about God's will in Ephesians 5, 15 to 17. He says, be very careful how you live, not as unwise, but wise, making the most of every opportunity. The old King James says, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Obviously, we can. Uh, Paul tells us there's two types of people. There's wise people and foolish people. Who wants to be wise? Most of us want to be wise. He says wise people know God's will. They seize opportunities and they use their time wisely. Foolish people aren't sure of God's will. They miss opportunities and therefore they waste their time. The good news is God wants us to know His will. He's not hiding it from us. In fact, in another place, Paul says, Colossians 1 verse 9, I'm praying that God would fill you with the knowledge of His will. Isn't that a beautiful prayer? I'm praying that you would be filled with this knowledge, this understanding of God's will. Jesus himself says, my sheep hear my voice. They know me and they follow me. That implies God wants to guide us. He wants to direct us. He wants us to know his will. You know, in my journey, um, I've had to work through some wrong approaches to God's will, some misconceptions, some myths. And so as we begin our series today, we're going to bust a few myths. Is that okay? Yeah. We're going to bust a few myths, some things that we've maybe heard that we haven't really thought through or haven't questioned that may be actually hindering us from the joy and freedom there is in God's will. So let me go through a couple of wrong approaches to God's will. Number one, we're going to call a fatalistic. Onto the next slide there. Thanks, Daniel. Um, I think we've got, there we go. A fatalistic approach. Uh, this is an approach that kind of says what will be, will be. If God wills it, it's going to happen anyway. Uh, you ever heard this phrase? Well, it happened, so it must have been God's will. It's called determinism. It's this idea that God's sovereign. He's got a plan. He's going to do what he wants anyway. So 
Uh, what's the big deal? The, the trouble with a fatalistic approach, it's unfair to God because God gets blamed for a lot of things he didn't will or he didn't actually choose. Isn't it interesting in the old insurance policies, if an earthquake happened, it was called an act of God? <laughs> like anything bad happened, oh, that was God. But how many know if something good happened? Well, you were lucky. Like we don't thank God for the good things, but we blame God for the bad things. Uh, unfortunately, we live in a world that kind of sees the bad things associated with God, but the good things we don't give God credit for. So this is unfair to God. It's also unhealthy for us because this view makes us like a puppet on a string. Some of you are figuring out what's the puppet picture about. Uh, this view makes us a bit like a puppet. Uh, someone else is pulling the string. Someone else is in control. Uh, and it undermines the fact that you and I have freedom. You and I make choices. In fact, could I suggest to you that where you are today is in a great result based on the decisions you made yesterday. And where you'll be tomorrow is going to be based on the decisions you make today. So a fatalistic approach, I'm not denying the sovereignty of God and providence, but the truth is you have freedom to make choices. You can influence what will happen in your life this year. Don't just sit back and say, whatever will be, will be. Let's see what the year brings. No, you can influence this year. You can make decisions that will move you to a better future. And so don't buy into this fatalistic approach that uh, just kind of surrenders control and just says, well, whatever's going to happen is going to happen. It must have been God's plan. A second approach is what I call a negative approach. This is where sometimes we believe God's will will make us miserable and depressed. <laughs> Remember, as a kid growing up, I sometimes thought, if I really surrender to God, He's going to make me marry someone I don't even like. <laughs> or if I really surrender to God, He's going to send me to some dark, mosquito-infested jungle in the world, and I'm going to die as a martyr. Now, maybe you've never thought that. But sometimes we can think if we really surrender to God, it's going to be bad. It's a negative approach to God's will. Uh, Paul actually says this in Romans 12 verse 1. Don't conform to the pattern of this world. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Not the removal of your mind. The renewing <laughs> of your mind. Then, that's an old joke. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, perfect, and pleasing will. Isn't that beautiful? God's will is good. It's not bad. God's will is pleasing, and it's perfect. You cannot improve on it. God's will for your life is based on His love for you. And so God's will is not bad. It's not negative. It doesn't mean there won't be challenges. It doesn't mean it'll always be easy. But God's will flows out of His love for you. When you're doing God's will, you're going to be more joyful, more fulfilled than doing anything else in your life. So don't buy under this kind of negative approach, but really go God's way man, it's going to be really tough. It's going to be really, really bad. A third approach that I've had to bust in my own life is what I call a frustrating approach. This is where we think God's will is complicated, confusing, and it's this little phrase, God has a wonderful plan for my life, but he's hiding it from me. It's like he's hiding it, and we've got to kind of go into a find and seek mode to kind of figure out God's will for our life. 
Uh, this frustration also comes from this belief that maybe God has a detailed plan for every detail of our life. And so today it's like the next step, I've got to get it right. And then I've got to go, what's the next step, God? I've got to get it right. And so it leads to a frustration in our life of missing God's will or displeasing Him. You ever, have, ever heard this phrase, I want to be in the center of God's will? You ever heard that? Yeah, it's not in the Bible. But it implies that God's will is a circle, and right in the middle is a dot, the center of God's will, and you've got to find the dot. And if you miss it, then you're out of God's will. And this actually leads to a, a great deal of frustration, like there's this little tiny dot in the middle, and all of life is trying to find the center of God's will so that you're not out of God's will, and it actually leads to a lot of frustration. The truth is, there's a lot more freedom in God's will than we realize. Remember the first humans, Adam and Eve? Probably read the story, Genesis 1 and 2. God puts them on the planet, and He gives them a mandate to take care of God's world, take care of all of creation, and to reproduce and expand the human family. They've done pretty well at that. Seven billion at last count. They were also to look after the garden and listen to what God said in the garden. The Genesis 2, 15 to 17. The Lord God took the man, put him in the garden of Eden to work it, to take care of it. The Lord commanded them, you are free. Everyone say free. free. You are free to eat any tree in the garden. I'll read that again. You are free to eat any tree in the garden. But you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat from it, you will certainly die. So it's dinner time for Mr. and Mrs. Adam and Eve. What's God's will for dinner? Anything other than apples? That's interesting. What makes you think it was an apple tree? Ooh. What's God's will for dinner? Come on, I'm not trying to trick you. One no, dozens of yeses. Now, now, now imagine Adam and Eve over here on Tuesday night going, oh God, what's your will for Tuesday night? Is it the pomegranate or the orange? <laughs> oh, it's Wednesday night. God, what, what's the plan for Wednesday night? Imagine Adam and Eve frustrated about missing God's will. <laughs> Spilling the water. No, no. No, God has one no, but dozens of yeses. So what's God's will for dinner? What do you feel like having for dinner? What do you want for dinner? Now, 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 now just think about this. There, there's some no's. Anyone heard of the Ten Commandments? They're restrictions. Don't kill. You want to know God's will for your life? Don't kill anyone. No. Don't steal. Don't lie. There's some no's, but there are millions of yeses, millions of good things you could do. Now, now, if you can get this, this removes so much frustration about missing God's will. And so you're looking to rent or buy a house. What's God's will? Which, which house do you want for us, God? Well, where do you want to live? What can you afford? There's a thought. <laughs> Maybe there are many houses you could actually live in. 
Uh, what about a career? What are you going to do with your life? Well, there's a few no's. Don't be a drug dealer. You want a prophecy today? Yea, verily, do not deal drugs. Don't be a drug dealer. Don't be a terrorist. Don't be a bank robber. How many know there's some no's? But, but what do you want to do? What are you good at? What are you passionate about? There's dozens of things, good things you could do with your life. Are, are you following me? Who are you going to marry if you want to be married? Is, is there just one? And in the seven billion, there's one. Are you the one? Are you the one? How are you going to find the one? That's like finding a needle in a haystack. Is there one person? Now don't take me wrong. God can direct us when there's specifics he has for us. Just like with Paul, he closed two doors and then he gave a vision in a direction. God can direct us specifically. But outside of that, there's this freedom in the will of God. So many options. Multiple options should not paralyze us of choosing wrong. I picked the pomegranate tonight. It should have been the orange. Multiple options should encourage us. Now, we laugh at this, but there's been some teaching in the church that has done the opposite. We had a, a well-known preacher from America and author speak at our church many years ago. And uh, he's always gave great messages. It was one weekend he talked about God's will, and he gave this impression that God has this super detailed plan for your life, and unless you discover it, you can waste your life. In fact, he said this. He said, if you live your whole life as a preacher, and God wanted you to be a plumber, when you get to the end of your life, you've wasted your whole life, and you'll have no reward. We, we had seniors in the church that had lived for God all their life in tears, saying, have I wasted my life? It was a destructive teaching. I had to actually get up the next weekend and preach a message to kind of correct last weekend's message. Never had to do that before. Spoke to him about it, and he wasn't too happy about the feedback. I said, this is damaging people. And it distorts the very nature of God. We have three kids, and our second son, Ashley, just had a birthday. He's 28. Beautiful human being. Um, he married a lovely Filipino girl, Melissa, uh, seven years ago. Filipinos? Yeah, come on. And so they live up in Brunswick, have a little two-bedroom apartment there. They have a little Frenchie bulldog named Frankie, our grand dog. <laughs> and uh, Melissa works in Penguin Publishing and Marketing, and Ashley works for the Westpac in private banking. Uh, we, we love them. Uh, imagine me going to Ashley's house for lunch today and say, Ash, well, you married a Filipino. Our plan, Mum and Dad, we wanted you to marry a German girl. And what are you doing living in Brunswick? We wanted you to live in Beaumaris. And what are you working for the Commonwealth? Our plan was for you to, sorry, the Westpac. We wanted you to work for the Commonwealth. Now, now, if I did that as a parent, what would you think about me? Dictatorial. What a controlling parent. Like, that's what you'd think about me. Now, now I know this happens. I, I talked to a primary teacher, and a parent came up one day with their five-year-old and said, he's going to be a politician one day. Keep that in mind. Poor kid. Poor kid. What, what am I saying? As, as parents, we have general intentions for our kids. We want them to grow up. We want them to flourish. We want them to be good human beings. We want them to have healthy relationships. We want them to use their gifts to make the world a better place. But to think they've got this detailed plan that they have to follow is actually not loving. It's controlling. And how easy we can push that onto God. I'm just saying, don't be frustrated about God's will as if you're going to miss it. You're going to get it wrong. Sure, 
There are some no's. Sure, there are some things you want to avoid. And if there's some specifics, God has his way of guiding us. So we'll be talking a bit about that next week. And so don't buy into this frustration of missing God's will. Uh, let me put it this way. God's will is more of a relationship than a set of rules. It's more of a compass than a detailed roadmap. It's about which direction you're heading, not did you take the left or the right turn. It's more dynamic than a closed system. In fact, it even allows for our mistakes. And so maybe the right question is not, what's God's will? Maybe the right question is, what's the best decision? What's a wise decision to make? There are many, many options, many, many things that we could choose that are all in God's will. Hope this is helping someone here today. Let's look at another wrong approach uh, coming up now. A fearful approach. <laughs> this is where we're out of frustration, afraid of missing God's will, paralyzed by fear about making a wrong decision. Maybe uh, we felt like we made a mistake in the past and we're no longer in God's will. And the truth is we all, we all make mistakes. We all fall down. In fact, you know, the book of Proverbs says a righteous person falls seven times. It's pretty encouraging, isn't it? Even good people fall seven times, but they rise each time they fall. See, life is not about never stumbling. <laughs> life is not about never making a mistake or never falling down. It's about getting up when we do fall and learning from that mistake. That's how we get wisdom. Live and learn. You might have heard the funny story of the really successful business person. And a young person was interviewing them saying, what was the key to your success? And the business person said, good decisions. Oh, th thank you, the young person said. I, I hope you don't mind me asking, how do you make good decisions? And the business person said, experience. And the young person said, thank you. Do you mind if I ask one more question? How do you get experience? The business person said, bad decisions. <laughs> Isn't that life? We, we, we live and we learn. We, we stumble and we get up. And so don't have this fear that says I can never blow it or I've blown it or I've missed it and it's too late and it's over for me. God is the God of the second chance, the third chance, the fourth, the fifth, the sixth, the seventh, not the second best, the second chance. Jonah went the wrong way, but he got back on track. The issue is not have you made some wrong turns, have you made some mistakes? The issue is where are you today and what choices are you making about your future right now? Don't allow fear. Don't allow fear to paralyze you in your walk with God. Another wrong approach, one more, is what I call a mystical approach. Uh, this is this belief that God's will is kind of directed or dependent on some special feeling or impression or sensation. And so I go to the closet this morning, God, is it the blue shirt or the red shirt? Blue, red, blue, red, blue. Blue, 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 blue today. You know, you know, uh, I walk into church today. Is it the left aisle or the right aisle? Left or blue? Now, now, don't be wrong. God, God can use mystical experiences. We, we just read Paul had a dream. And next week we'll talk about the supernatural in guidance. But if we think that every decision is going to be dependent on some feeling, some prompting, some impression, we're going to miss the fact that a lot of decisions are just practical. They're practical. Um, what, what, what color looks good on you? What matches that? 
uh, where's the seat empty this morning? You know? um, where, do, where do you want to sit? Who, who's there? Uh, don't get caught up in this view that you have to always have some mystical or sensational guidance from God. And so these are some of the things I've had to navigate through in my life. Hopefully, um, you've maybe related to a few of them today, uh, some wrong approaches to the will of God. Don't buy into this fatalistic approach. Whatever will be, will be. We've got some decisions we can make this year. Don't have a negative approach. God's will is good, perfect, and pleasing for you. Don't have a frustrating approach. that There's this dot in the middle. Uh, yes, God can guide you. He can give you specific direction. But there are many options. There's a lot of freedom this year. And so maybe it's praying about the desires of your heart. And what dreams God's put inside you. Don't have a fearful approach. And finally, don't get into this mystical approach that everything is going to be kind of super spiritual. And so there's some wrong approaches to God's will. So how do we make wise decisions? How do we make good, good decisions? Good questions. And I don't want you to miss next week for the next exciting episode of this message on decisions. So hopefully you can join us next week. By the way, Nicole and I ended up not leaving Waverley Christian Fellowship. We decided not to go. And next week I'll tell you why and what the results were of that decision. Let's pray together. God, it's good to talk about these things and Gain some fresh understanding of your heart for us, your love for us, and your intentions for our life. Jeremiah 29, 11, you said, the plans you have for us are to give us a future and hope, not to harm us. <laughs> and for everyone in the room today, 2019, you've got some good intentions for them. And I pray today that our hearts would be enlarged to see the good things you have for us. Lord, there'll be some here today that are maybe carrying some guilt or some condemnation for stumbling. <laughs> the truth is we've all stumbled. And when we stumble, when we fall, you don't kick us when we're down. You don't slap us. You, you reach out a hand to lift us up. And so, Lord, for some people here today that maybe are carrying condemnation, Conviction is from your spirit, and it's always aimed at positive change. It's very specific. Condemnation is this general feeling that we're no good. And so today, for some that are feeling condemned, I don't know, maybe for a business that didn't work out well, a marriage that kind of didn't go where we wanted it to go, decisions that, oh, that wasn't the best decision. Lord, for people carrying guilt and condemnation today, would you lift that off them right now? Free them from that. Let your forgiveness fill their hearts today. And may they stand today unashamed, unashamed as your daughter, as your son. The past is done. It's behind us. Today's a new day. And I pray today that have a fresh sense of joy and confidence going forward to the future. Well, Lord, there'll be some people in the room today that maybe have some fear. Fear of missing it. Fear of making a mistake. Fear of getting out of the center of God's will. Sometimes these things actually end up binding us from the amazing expanse of opportunities and options you've put in front of us. You're free to eat of any tree. Lord, today, lift fear off people. Lift frustration off people. 
And I pray for a fresh sense of faith and excitement and trust and confidence in you as our good God. And as we go out of here in a few moments, uh, we, we move into a world of opportunity, of possibility. So many options, so many needs. Lord, so many good things we can give our life and our time to. Finally, I pray for all of us today that we would know you more, know your heart more today. Some of us have had caricatures of you that have been projected onto us by other authority figures or things we've heard and been taught that have distorted who you are as our Father, as our God. And so pray today that all of us would know you more. And for some here today that may feel far from you, may not even be sure that you're real, may have doubts and questions, the truth is you're not far from any one of us. In you, we live and move and have our bring, being. You're as close as our, close as our very, very breath. And so today, reveal yourself to us. Show us your love. Embrace us today. Transform us today. We could stand tall and strong and go into 219 with fresh confidence, fresh joy, skipping our step. <laughs> as we pursue your good and perfect and pleasing will. And so I ask for that today. In Jesus' wonderful name, everyone agreed and said amen. Amen. Come on, give God a big clap today. God, you're amazing. You're an amazing God. Amazing God. Amazing God.